it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to the LET Golf Podcast. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Solheim Cup rookie Gemma Dreiber. Gemma, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. And as we said, it's been you know two weeks now since you've been announced on the team. Let's talk about that to start off with. How, how long have you wanted to be on a Solheim Cup team for? Gosh, I think since I can remember, really, I remember watching it as a young girl and just dreaming of, you know, being on the team one day, maybe. And I actually went as a spectator in 2019 at Glen Eagles. And I think that really inspired me watching, obviously, Suzanne put that winning putt in and just uh, seeing all the all the girls there. And I was competing with them at that point. So it kind of really inspired me to hopefully get on the team myself in a few years. Um, so, yeah, just uh, still sinking in that I'm actually going to be on the team myself. I say, I remember it, when we were in Scotland earlier in the summer and you mentioned that story. How how strange is it that that was four years ago? We're back on European soil for the first time and it's happened. You are on that team. Yeah, it's crazy, really. Um, you know, looking back at that, um, you know, on the other side of the ropes and, um, you know, it was obviously a very special moment for, for women's golf in general, not just Europe. So, um, you know, it's the best sporting moment I've ever witnessed um, in person. And, um, you know, it's amazing to, to think that she's going to be my captain as well. So kind of a big full circle moment, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And obviously that was, as you mentioned, in Glen Eagles in Scotland at home. What was that like seeing the crowds that were there that week? I was someone else who was there that week. Like, it was amazing. The amount of people who came out and we got so lucky with the weather. Yeah, <laughs> like the exactly. sunshine on the final day. Um, just talk me through the, the whole experience of attending as a spectator. Yeah, it was amazing. Like you said, the crowds were great. Um, you know, the Scottish crowds especially, uh, you know, special being there. Um, but yeah, they're so supportive and I'm sure it'll be the same in Spain this year. Uh, but they're just uh, the electricity you can feel just as even as a spectator. I can't imagine what it'll be like as a player. Um, but it's great to have that home support and I'm sure we'll use that to our advantage this year. Uh, but yeah, it's weird to think, you know, that was the last European Solheim and now I'm going to be on it myself this year. Uh, but yeah, just can't wait to see the crowds. And I know there's a few people from my golf club that are coming out, obviously my family as well. So um, just can't wait to see everyone. And as you said, you watched Suzanne during that point. What do you think she's going to be like as a captain? What's she been like so far? I know you've got WhatsApp groups and all sorts going on. What's yeah, all like? sorts, yeah. No, she's been great. We she obviously came to watch us during the the, the European swing, um, you know, Evian, Scottish and British. So it was great to see her there and Carolina as well. Um, so yeah, I just can't wait to get in the team room and see what it's like. And I'm sure she'll be very inspiring because she, you know, she's just an inspiring, you know, golfer person in general. So as a captain, I'm sure she'll just be just like that. So I'm just excited to see the camaraderie between all the girls, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of banter as well. And have you had a chance to visit Finca at all at any point or will you be going for the first time when you turn up? It'll be my first time at Finca. I have been to that area quite a bit, obviously playing golf on LAT and everything. Um, and, you know, that area kind of just has so much good golf. So I'm um, excited to go back. But yeah, first time to Finca itself. But I've heard really good things from all the girls, um, you know, how pretty it is. And, um, you know, I heard it's quite hilly as well. So the caddies have got their work cut, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's for sure. But it should be a stunning location for what should be obviously a great occasion, as you said, with European fans for the first time in four years, as we didn't have any two years ago. Yeah, and everyone on the team is pretty much looking forward to that aspect and being able to have family and friends there. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, and now on the LET podcast, we always like to 
dive back into a player's career um, and talk about when you first started golf. So I believe you were four years old. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So yeah. How did you get into the sport? Yeah, so my dad's a big golfer, so he uh, got me into it. Um, he would just take me to the range initially, and I had these little plastic golf clubs, little plastic balls, and I would go to the range with him, and I would hit the plastic balls off the range, probably like five or ten yards, then run and go get the balls, bring them back. <laughs> um, so that was my first memories of going there. Um, and then had lessons at that same golf course uh, in Tomorrow, Um just outside Aberdeen and uh, yeah, loved going there. And there was a little part, it was like a part, it was like a nine hole golf course that I used to go on with him. Um, but yeah, just always remember loving going to the course with him. And uh, it's always been, I think I've, you know, bonding experience with my dad. We've always had that and still have to this day. So it's a special thing, but uh, yeah, very good memories of playing with him. And I played all sports growing up, but uh, golf was always a big part of my life. And as you said, you were running after those balls straight away, coming back, wanting to hit them. Was that something that you'd like? You liked the? Did you like the flight of the ball, the sound of the ball, just trying to hit the ball? That's what a lot of people uh, say that they like when they were younger. Yeah, I think it's just hitting it because sometimes you'd you know have a few air shots here and there, and you'd be like, oh, I'd be like, whoopsies, um, and I would just try again, and then obviously getting the actual hit of the golf ball, I think, was it's still to this day when you get that strike on it, it's that's just the best feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, when was the first time that you played in a competition? Um, gosh, that's a good question. I probably, I didn't actually get my first handicap until I was 12 years old. But before that, I kind of played a few, you know, little junior events without a handicap mm-hmm. and just to get into maybe nine hole events. But at 12 years old was probably when I started taking it properly seriously with a handicap and playing in the junior comps and the Stablefords and stuff. So um, it was actually quite a big gap between me starting golf and actually getting, you know, into tournaments and stuff. Yeah. But did you just enjoy, you know, going with your dad and going to the golf course when you could when you were younger in that kind of eight year period, as you say, before you started to yeah. take it more seriously? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we used to play it when we used to go on holiday. We used to play uh, when we wherever we went as well. So dad would take me along. So, yeah, just really good memories just going. I mean, I don't think it needs to be you don't need to rush into tournaments when you're uh, you know, a young golfer, you just, you know, just enjoy it. It's the main thing, I think. And then eventually, maybe once you want to take it more seriously, you can, you know, do it in your own time. And you mentioned that you played a lot of other sports. What were some of the sports that, that you played? Yeah, football was my my main sport growing up. Loved football, um, still do to this day. Um, and I also played tennis, basketball, did a bit of track and field. Um, yeah, just loved every other sport. So I'm glad I did all those things. And I think it maybe made me appreciate golf even more I think and then when you did get to the point where you started to take golf more seriously or was it that it was your favorite sport why was it that it kind of stood out uh, I would still probably say football was my favorite sport but I was probably just a bit better at it uh, than, uh, than football so um so kind of I had to make a decision when I was about 15 that's when I went to America to go to IMG Academy um and I kind of decided to go the golf route um, also saw a bit more future in it at the time in, in women's sport in general as well. Obviously, it's great to see women's football growing and growing as it is now. So, uh, But at the time, golf, I looked like it ha- I had more opportunity there and um, obviously maybe thought I would maybe go to university in America with a hopefully get a scholarship there and um, ended up doing that. So that's kind of how I made the, the decision. Yeah, for sure. And talk me through what that was like at 15, going to the IMG Academy, being able to do that, go to Florida. 
<laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, amazing weather, you know, compared to home in the winter. It was a great place to practice. Um, I was lucky my mum actually came over with me. So it was nice to have her. Most kids um, do boarding school there, but it was nice to have her there with me. Um, obviously, a young age, moving away from home. But um, yeah, we did half a day school, uh, half a day school and half a day, whatever sport you chose. So I obviously was doing golf um and yeah still in touch with those coaches now which is great to have that that network but um and you know met, met some amazing people from all over the world there uh, so went there for two and a half years and then um got uh, a scholarship to Tulane University I was gonna say that process of um getting into college golf and you know recruiting all the different universities etc the fact that you were over in Florida anyway do you think that kind of helped you a little bit because you got used to being over there seeing what it was like the different facilities that were on offer etc yeah I think so I think that was kind of the, my kind of outlook to go forward to hopefully make the t- transition easier obviously coaches seeing you more often because you're playing in junior events over there um, but yeah it definitely helped my transition then going to Tulane uh, for the next four years you know I would already kind of assimilated to um, you know some of the Americanisms over here and um, made me more comfortable with that I think um, and I think when I turned eventually turned pro and played on the LPGA I think that helped a lot having some experience over here too. I say what was it that Tulane offered that that was the reason why you wanted to go there? <laughs> um, yeah so I just loved it when I came here um, to visit New Orleans I actually now live here again now based over here so it's it's fantastic city. It's I wanted somewhere that you know had a bit of character, a bit of history to it, and it has all of that good food, good music. Uh, but obviously, the, the school itself is great academically and um, very good golf program. It's been like that for years. Um, also had some friends on the on the team, which helped as well. One of the girls went to IMG with me, so um, just kind of all added up really. Um, the coach I committed to actually did. Um, he left Tulane the week before I was coming, so. That was a bit of shock, but we adjusted to that and the next coach that came in was great. So, um, but yeah, just loved the the city in general and it's got a very European vibe as well. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of your college experience, what was that like, you know, school, golf, also traveling across country, playing in different competitions? The- yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite overwhelming when you first go because, um, you know, being at high school and IMG, you kind of you're practicing a lot and you're still home quite a bit but um I guess when you go to college over here it's you start getting into the traveling and you're you know missing missing class more often um you're actually you're actually playing a lot more often as well that's kind of adjustment for me instead of practicing on the range you're actually playing a lot more um but it actually got me it's quite a good transition to when then I turned pro that's kind of more similar to what you do when you turn pro you're traveling more than that but at least you get kind of adjusted to it in that way. So, um, but yeah, you're getting used to kind of, you know, managing your school and your golf at the same time. So um, yeah, it was a good challenge. And what are some of your best memories that you have from your time at college? I think when we won the conference championship, um, we won it by like 20 shots or something ridiculous. Um, we, we played so, so well. And just that winning with a team and that's what I'm also looking forward to with the Solheim is just, playing in the team again and just the camaraderie you get from that and the buzz you get from, you know, doing it for your teammates, not just yourself. Um, and we had a, a, one other tournament that we um, shot the, the school record for the lowest um, round for a team. So that was another special memory. And I remember how buzzing our coaches were and stuff. So yeah, just lots of good memories like that. 
And then when you go from college and start to think about turning pro, what was that thought process for you? Because obviously people do it differently. Sometimes people go to college for one year. Other people want to finish their education, get the degree, <laughs> then accept yeah. after. Um, what was your decision making on that? Yeah, so I, I wanted to do all four years at university. And um, so did that. And kind of the plan was to go to Q school um, that same year, which I did. Uh, it was in Morocco. The LITQ school was in Morocco then. Um, so went straight into that. And um, yeah, that was that was a fun year, actually. Because I think when you first turn pro, it's all, it's all new, isn't it? And I've gone back to Q school since but after that. And it's not maybe quite as exciting but when you first go it's all new and it's you know you're turning pro so um I remember remember it fondly um had the pre-qualifier um and then obviously the final qualifier in Marrakesh so um yeah good memories and what's that like when you as you say you turn up at Q school there are people that you've played with probably in your amateur days you're turning pro at the same time but there are also maybe people who are a bit older there as well what's just the whole vibe like we know it's a very stressful two weeks Um, but how did you find that first experience yeah like you said there's girls there that um you've played in your amateur career with I remember um I shared my first week with Justine Dreher from France we kind of graduated at the same time and uh we kind of went through that experience together that first week and um then there's other girls that you said that have been out on tour a few years and you've maybe heard about or they're maybe brand new to you um so it's an interesting dynamic because some some girls obviously very new exciting and some girls are like oh I wish I wasn't here you know wish I'd played better etc um so it's kind of different vibes but um definitely the first time you go it's you know it's all exciting and new yeah for sure and then coming out on tour what was that like I know you played on the access series as well as the LET you've played you've played on every tour Gemma I have <laughs> you've been, all, you've, been like, all around, <laughs> you've been all around the world um yeah what's that been like you know working your way up playing on all different tours yeah so I was lucky that same year um I got I can't remember quite how it worked but I think I got into an access event and then played quite well and then got reshuffled um and then played quite a few events that year on access and that was just a great experience I remember I was kind of getting to know the girls I remember one one week um playing in Sweden uh stayed by myself and I didn't rent you know it's obviously you're trying to save money as much as you can and um, I didn't rent a car or anything and I walked to the golf course every day and it was like a 20, 30 minute walk, something I would never do now. But it was, I just remember it fondly because I was walking, it was over this really pretty river to the golf course. I would keep my golf clubs at the, at the course, obviously. So I was just walking myself, but, um, but yeah, just something that, that you look back on your career and you see how things have changed and how you did things then. And, um, yeah, I have fond memories of playing on the access because I think it makes you appreciate what then you get maybe get when you get onto the LET and um, the you know how everything gets bigger and better. But um, but yeah, I'm very thankful for all of those experiences and you know those were those were really my first pro events um, and just a great experience you know leading into uh, Q school that year and then eventually LET the next year. I was going to say the fact that you're able to play on tournaments in access across. Europe and get that professional feel when obviously everyone's generally quite new in their careers and it's you know a test of what it's like but as you say walking to the golf course 20 to 30 minutes isn't that bad no not too bad <laughs> right yeah exactly that's something I would something I would be like what is she doing now but you know it, it was good exercise good warm-up I'd say 
yeah, good warm up, and as you say, pretty views. What what more can you ask? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you did get on the LET, um, what was your first season like on tour? And, yeah, you know, taking it, your your game to the next level. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, we got to go to some you know amazing places, um, travel all over Europe and also uh, the Middle East, uh, India. Um, you know, went to some amazing places and you know get got to did the LET uh, rookie um, orientation that started that year. So got to know some of the um, rookie other rookies and um, I remember really bonding with my fr- a friend now still a friend Rosie Davis. Um, we we kind of bonded then and we were uh, roomies uh, that whole year, uh, which was great. And um, yeah, just so many good memories. I had my caddy, Eric Black, for the, the first couple of years and had a great time with him. And um, yeah, just a full learning experience, really, because you're kind of just thrown into the deep end and you've got to figure it out yourself. Because, you know, usually at university, your coach does all your travel plans and tells you what to wear and, you know, it's all news and you all need to do it. You need to figure it out yourself. So, um, but yeah, just great memories looking back at that. And so what is that adjustment of, as you say, planning your own schedule, booking everything yourself, but also players have spoken about um, the practice schedule because obviously at university, it's very, you practice at this time, you do competitions yeah. here, etc., And then suddenly you get to a tournament and you have the freedom to do what you want. <laughs> you can make your own schedule for the week. Is that such a change that you kind of have to get used to it? Yeah, it's quite a big change, like you said, because usually you're told where to be, what time. But when you're a pro, it's you're your own boss. So there's no one to tell you that you need to do this or do that. Like you can choose how much you want to practice or how little you want to practice. And I think also a big adjustment is trying to also peak for the tournament because sometimes you can practice almost too much at the start of the week and tire yourself out and you want to make sure you're fresh for you know Sunday afternoon when hopefully you're in the last group you want to be as fresh as you can be at that point so that's also a learning process and you know maybe how to, how many tournaments you want to play in a row as well is also a learning process you know some people only want to play two or three in a row some people like to play you know five six in a row um you know you, you need to do a little bit of trial and error with that um you know, so it's it's a big learning process. There's lot, lots of new things and you're your own boss. So you get to make your own decisions, which is nice, but also can be challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of players have spoken about that challenge. And what advice would you have for any rookies who are coming on to tour about how to learn and deal with that? And as you say, getting used to being your own boss instead yeah. of having someone put it out for you. I think just trust your gut. I think I don't don't follow what everyone else is doing. I think it's easy to say, oh, she's practicing, you know, three hours. I should be doing the same. That, that's not the case. A lot of the times when you get to tournaments, hopefully you've done your prep and all your work. And when you're at, at a tournament, you're just trying to learn the course and get to know the greens. And after that, you shouldn't really need to be grinding on the range by any means, unless unless you are working it, you're struggling on something. Maybe you want to do that on the Monday. But after that, you kind of just want to get into tournament mode and, um, yeah, I would just say my main advice would be just to focus in your own lane and you don't have to look at what everyone else is doing. Of course. And and then when you, you know, uh, be on the LET for a few years, also do some events on um, Symmetra, now Epsom, mm-hmm. um, throughout those two years, and then obviously decide to make the step to the LPGA. What, what was that like? You know, obviously that Q Series experience over there, 
little bit different to LATQ school yes. experience. And, you know, when was the decision of going, okay, I really want to go back over there, try and play more events over there? Yeah, I, uh, I did do, uh, so I, my first year I did LAT and LPGAQ school. Uh, it wasn't successful the first couple of times and, um, you know, focused on LAT and um, eventually got my card on the LPGA in 2018. Um, and it was, it was a struggle, to be honest. Um, I really struggled that first year, missed, you know, quite a few cuts and um, was struggling with my game and kind of adjusting to, you know, playing on the, on, on the tour over here and, um, but you know, it was a great experience. Sometimes you need to go through those struggles to, you know, see where your game needs to go and, um, what you need to improve on. Um, but it was just, I, you know, I look, look back on that time fondly still, you know, still, I still enjoyed myself and I learned a lot from the experience. Um, and eventually kind of just got to, um, my, got more confident in playing on the LPGA and over here and, um, you know, it takes time. Um, but you know, obviously uh, came back to LAT quite as much as I could and um, you know uh, loved coming back to, to play in Europe and I almost felt um, that comfort coming back and playing in Europe and um, you know it's it's actually exciting to go back and play in Spain um, in a couple of weeks because um, I got very fond memories playing and you know the final event on the Costa del Sol there and um, so yeah very exciting. As I say having that Costa del Sol event every Pretty much every European in the team has played an event yes. in that region because we've had them for so many so years. Many, yeah, so many years. Uh, so that's really helpful. But yeah, how? what kind of were the main things that you learned in those first couple of years that you had on the LPGA that you were able to take forward um, as your career progressed? Yeah, I think um, kind of what I said a little bit earlier, just kind of stay in your own lane. I think a lot of times I was kind of looking at what other girls were doing and um, comparing myself to other girls and I think everyone's on their own journey um, it's kind of cliche to say but it's so true like you, you need to focus on what how you're getting better um, and that's the most important thing um, I think you could, it's easy to compare yourself to others and um, think oh I should be doing this I should be doing that but if you're you know doing your best for yourself then that's the main thing and I think that following year I think I did that a lot better and um, you know made obviously improvements in my own game um, but apart from that just kind of the mental side of it just believing in yourself and you know focus on on yourself as well yeah for sure and then obviously the year after that small thing of the pandemic happened and it kind of <laughs> threw everything out what was that like for you where were you when that happened and what decisions did you have to make yeah so I remember being in Australia at the time actually I think we were playing uh like the Bonville event um the Vic Open um and then I think I was heading back to the UK anyway which was actually really good timing because I didn't get stuck anywhere so I think when we were over in Australia it was all kind of rumors like this is happening this COVID thing and we're all like what's that and um and then got home and I think within a week later we we're probably in lockdown I think um so it's kind of a obviously a scary weird time for everyone and we never we didn't know when we were going to play again and it was you know a worrying time and um so yeah I remember having being at home for a few months and then the Rose events came came along and those were were amazing for everyone you know having something to play for and um you know so, you know something to to play at home as well um so and was lucky enough to win a couple of them which I got so much confidence from and um, look back on those and those events very fondly and 
really gave me a lot of confidence actually going into that 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 season that year when we eventually did get to play. I was going to say, how much did the fact you were able to play in those Rose events across the UK, and then as you say, went once the season started again, kind of in August, and had that run till the end of the year. Um, how much more? confident did you feel about your game having picked up the victories earlier in the season? Yeah it helped so much I, I think you know even though there were you know only one day events it's still you know a win's a win and I felt like you felt the pressure going down the stretch and um, being able to kind of compete under that pressure uh, gave me so much confidence and I think it really helped me that year um, just going into those events with you know uh, a win a couple wins behind me and um, yeah just looking back at that just helped my confidence in my game so much having those events to play in and playing well in them and um, it just really kind of kick-started the next probably until now really my game's kind of gradually improved since then so um, yeah look back on those on those days very fondly. Of course winning in 2020 and 2021 on on the Rose series and then as you say kind of upward trajectory since then on your game. Um, How have you found uh, improving your game every year on tour what what do you do to kind of check in with yourself and when do you notice going oh okay right I've adjusted to this I'm getting better at this now to work on something else is that how it happens yeah I think at the end of each year you're kind of looking at the stats and your results and um, you also do get a feeling yourself of how things are going but sometimes it's nice to look at the numbers and get like an, uh, an objective view and things um, but I've just kind of made sure that I've in each part of my game just you know analyzed it and say okay what can I do to get better you know incrementally better in each each aspect of the game and um, I think some of my setbacks during my career I think have helped me do that I think you know you learn a lot from doing well obviously but you almost learn more from you know when things don't go so well and I think um, all those times that maybe things didn't go so well maybe at Q school or um, other events, etc. I think looking back at those times, that's when I've actually made the biggest changes in my game and improved from them. So um, even though at the time it, it doesn't feel great when things don't go well, sometimes you look back and say, okay, I'm glad that happened. And we can't have you on without talking about your maiden LPGA victory, oh, yes. which was <laughs> last season in Japan, where I believe you won a toilet. I did. Uh- <laughs> Fancy toilet. Yeah, <laughs> all the buttons, it speaks to you, everything. Like yep, seat warmer, everything. <laughs> yeah, but what was uh, Japan like, that week in Japan last year? Yeah, incredible, obviously. You know, it's been a dream of mine to win on tour, uh, you know, since I can remember. Um, and to get over the line there, uh, just the way I played as well, ended up winning by four in the end. And, um, you know, it just brings me so much confidence looking back at that time because I had I just had no doubts in my game I was obviously swinging well putting well which obviously helps but um you know my caddy Paul we've been working together for I think it's our fifth season together so um I think the two weeks before that uh we were playing in Korea and he kind of said to me are you ready to win Uh, and I said to myself you know I am I feel like I am ready to win um and just two weeks later there I was winning so um not that I manifested it but I feel like you know thinking about that and you know thinking of oh yeah I can win out here and uh, I am confident enough to do that and good enough to do that I think really helped me have that mindset switch um of you know obviously every week you're trying to do well but every week you know you want to try to be try to win the event 
not just do well. So I think that was a bit of a mindset change for me. And I think since then I've kind of, you know, had that confidence. Yes, I can win out here, you know, can be any week. So I think that helped a lot. And, um, but yeah, the fans were incredible. There's so many, the Japanese fans are just crazy about golf. So I'm excited to go back later this year to hopefully defend. And, um, but yeah, they're so enthusiastic. They love the game of golf. And um, I think I just fed off those vibes as well. Absolutely. And you talked about the belief and you've carried that through to this season as well. Um, having your best ever major finishes across the European summer. Um, talk me through the season and yeah, just w- what it's like after you've had your win. You get a little break for off season, but obviously you were able to go in, in the first tournament on the LPGA because you won the previous year. Um, you know, your schedule changes, you're allowed to you, you probably have a little bit more flexibility yes. in what you're able to play. Um, how did how has that helped you as well this year? Yeah, it helps a lot. Like like you said, it kind of opens a lot of doors. I was in the first tournament of the year, the Tournament of Champions, and then I was in all the majors, uh, which I'd never been in before. I'd obviously played majors before, but you usually have to qualify that current year, and you're just up in the air whether you're going to be in or not. And But this year I could actually plan a year and, um, you know, pick and choose what I wanted to play and then take weeks off, which is nice and ho- hopefully peak for the right events. And um, like you mentioned, in Evian, this, this summer was my best finish in a major, came um, eighth play- in eighth place. So um, that was special as well. And my parents were there too. It's um, special to uh, share that with them. But um, but yeah, it's just been a gradual process. And I think playing obviously in, in the majors this year, um you know getting some momentum as well I think has helped and um you know you're playing against the best girls in the world which um is always you're always trying to be there and it's a privilege to be there so um you know I enjoyed the British Open so much this year I had some uh the golf club Beaconsfield Golf Club they came to watch and a big busload of them came on the Friday and um so it's special to have you know uh be able to be there and um you know have some home support as well so um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a great year. We also played the US Open at Pebble Beach, um, which was incredible. Um, just the views, you know, it's everything they they say it is. And um, so yeah, it's been a special year so far. Absolutely, and obviously, Solheim Cup to yes. come. So it's still <laughs> a special year ahead. But between now and then, what what are you kind of preparing? How do you prepare for a Solheim Cup? Have you spoken to some of the other players in the team and? asked you know <laughs> what do you do before you get there because obviously I'm sure you've been told it's such a busy week there's so many obligations and things you have to do it's not just golf you know <laughs> there's lots of other things going on yeah. um have you spoken to any of the others about that? yeah I actually lucky enough to play I played in Canada I played with Georgia and then last week I played with Carlotta so kind of was picking their brain a little bit um and spoke to the other girls as well and they've kind of just said like you know, it's a really busy week. You don't have much time to yourself, you know, lots of media obligations and dinners in the evenings. So I think it'll be important to hopefully get some rest the next week or so uh, before before we get to Spain. I think uh, it sounds like it's a busy week and you don't really have much time to think. So um, yeah, definitely to get some rest in. And then um, I've heard, heard the course is quite hilly as well. So that's obviously <clears throat> important to get some rest as well, but to, to be fresh for that. And uh, But yeah, looking forward to to preparation and obviously be practicing as well but you know nothing too intense now we can't have you on the podcast without talking about what you do off the golf course 
as well as obviously your talents on the golf course. So Gemma, what does Gemma Dryborough do when she's she's not on the golf course? Yeah, very good question. Um, well, I'm just trying to get into it's a big sport over in the US at the moment, pickleball. Mm-hmm. Um, our, my golf club here has just uh, built some courts on the driving range actually so the driving range was closed for half of this year which I was not very happy about but now they're open and the, and the range is open as well so um, yeah getting into that um, some of the girls on tour uh, play during during the year so um, I might start travelling with my bat we'll see um, but yeah looking forward to kind of getting into that and um, it's it's not quite as intense as tennis I feel like it's a little bit it's obviously still a good workout but um, you know, not not as uh, much as tennis is, but um, yeah, looking forward to getting into that. And uh, I used to play guitar a bit. I'm trying to. I'm considering maybe getting my guitar over here and maybe getting into that a bit more again. Um, yeah, I do miss playing. So yeah, we'll see. Oh, nice. Did you used to play any other musical instruments or just just guitar? Yeah, just guitar. So I used to play um, at school, and um, yeah, I used to play in like the you know it wasn't really a band, but kind of a music class and um yeah it's always good fun nice very nice well maybe you can bring the guitar to Solheim I don't think I'm going quite there yet (laughs) (laughs) uh maybe next year (laughs) maybe next year yeah that'll be my goal yeah as I say that can be one of your goals Um, and talking about goals, you mentioned earlier about assessing like during a season how you're doing, um, looking at stats, etc. But do you, are you a person who sets goals on results or a person who sets goals also on things in your swing and mindset, etc.? What kind of goal setter are you? Yeah, I think I like to do a bit of both, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, I've had the goals this year of um, reaching, you know, certain targets in majors and also world ranking, um, but then also you know, goals on, you know, how you want to be on the course uh, mentally as well. Those are harder to measure, I guess, but you can always kind of hopefully keep yourself accountable on those. And, um, you know, obviously the mental side of the game is probably the biggest part of the game. Once you get to this level, it's kind of separates everyone, I think. So um, that's a big part of the game that I work on. Um, I do a lot of meditation, which has been helping me a lot. So I'm sure that'll help me a lot um, during the Solheim week keep me calm hopefully and um you know hopefully it can help me perform under the pressure I was gonna say we've had players speak about meditation before and how useful it is when did you start doing it like for example um last week in Ireland on the LET Schmiller who ended up winning in the playoffs she said she meditated at the end of round three and beginning of round four That's and great. then ended up shooting, shooting a 62 and then winning in a playoff so yeah it works <laughs> Yeah, clearly it can be helpful. When did you start doing it and when did you realize the benefits of it? Yeah, I started doing it. I worked with a lady called Jane Story. She's got a, um, a couple of books, Breathe Golf and Connected Golf. And I kind of read her book initially and then, uh, you know, reached out to see if I could work with her. And uh, it was probably just over two years now I've been working with her and doing the meditation. And um, I really saw the benefits even before I won in Japan. But when I won in Japan, I used it a lot Um and it really helped me uh, so much that week, um, you know, dealing with the pressure of being in contention and, um, you know, actually winning in the end. So, um, you know, I've been doing it for, she was, Jane was actually with me at the British this year at Walton Heath. So um, but it's been great to have her support. And, uh, but yeah, definitely uh, would recommend it to anyone, um, not just in golf, I think in life it can help um, as well. So 
yeah, seen the benefits a lot recently and um, definitely be using it at Solheim. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned that, that you read the book first. Are you a big reader of books? Do you read a lot? Uh, I try. I'm trying to be better. Um, uh, I do. I'm always got a book on the go. I wouldn't say I'm the quickest reader, but, um, you know, time on tour, it's kind of nice sometimes just to get away from the devices and get off the phone and, um, you know, read a book. So I'm trying to be better at it for sure. <laughs> yeah, same. same <laughs> I try to read books on planes now rather than watch watch movies yeah yeah because I'm like I look at a screen all day anyway so I might might as well use the time to look at some words yeah exactly I read on my I was flying last night and read my book then which was quite nice yeah exactly um and then finally when you're with friends and family when you get some time with them at home what's your favorite thing to do with them uh go on a walk I think um we love going on walks you know along um we live near the Thames, so going along the walk, along the river, and we, my dad and I do have a kayak. So uh, if we can be, um, it's it's a little bit more of a commitment because um, we have to blow it up and take it over the other side of the river where we go. But um, I like doing that with him and um, playing golf as well. Mum walks along with us; she doesn't play so much, but um, but yeah, just going on a walk in general, I think, is one of our favorite things to do. Nice. And if you kayak, do you paddleboard? ever done that I love paddleboarding yes um we're actually considering maybe getting a paddleboard instead of that because it looks a little bit easier to transport um so yeah that we might be getting into that a bit more as well we'll see Gemma on the Thames well actually Zoe Fitzcosta who also works with LET I see her dad along that river quite a bit paddleboarding so he's recommended it to us yeah they they do like to paddleboard on that and they want to bring the dog with them now too so Wow. (laughs) I think they're trying to find a life jacket. (laughs) 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 But um, paddleboarding is popular. Leona was paddleboarding in Ireland. Oh, very cool. It's definitely something that I've seen more and more people doing. Yeah, (laughs) it's a good workout as well. Good for the core and everything. I was going to say, good core strength standing up. Yeah, absolutely. Balance as well. Yeah. Um, so Gemma, we're just gonna finish with a quick little quick fire quiz. Okay. And it's basically just all your favorite things. Okay. So I'm just gonna call some things and you just say what your favorite is of it. So what is your favorite thing about New Orleans? Uh food. What is your favorite food? Jambalaya. Mm. What's your favorite type of holiday? Beach holiday. What's your favorite type of music? Uh, I would say, hmm, maybe R&B. And do you have a favourite artist or band? Well, my favourite artist is probably not R&B, to be fair. It's Dua Lipa. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. That's okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to fit in. Eclectic, I know lots yeah. of people, yeah, lots of people who, who have very different tastes in music. I'm sure the Spotify playlist for Solheim will have all sorts all of sorts things. i'm sure we'll have spanish we'll have swedish we'll yeah. Have, yeah all sorts exactly um what's your favorite book Ooh, uh, i read a book called outliers once and that kind of changed my perspective on a lot of things a really good book mm-hmm. um do you have a favorite tv series that's a good question i really liked um what's the police one on bbc uh oh, line of duty. that's it line of duty nice that's one of my 
favorites yeah, also. Class, yeah, it's really good. Exactly, very good. Um, what is your favorite type of dessert? Bananas Foster, also a New Orleans classic. Very nice. <laughs> um, would you choose, oh, you've already answered that because you said a beach holiday. I was going to ask beach or mountain, but you already said Yeah, beach, beach for sure. Um, who is who was your hero growing up? I would say kind of later on it was Andy Murray, but early on I really looked up to Lorena Choa. Um, I was really sad when she retired. Um, she just was, I just thought she was so inspiring. Obviously a good golfer, but even better person. Yeah, of course. Very two very good answers there. Um, one that we always ask your dream four ball. So you and three other people. Okay. It doesn't have to be golf people, it can be any people. Yeah, I'd say uh we'd love to play with Rory. Uh Andy Murray would be one as well. Yeah. And maybe Jack Nicholas. Ooh, nice mix there. Yeah. I'm sure Andy Murray would still be very good. Yeah, I heard he's a pretty good golfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like Murray Brothers are good at everything. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put them in any sporting situation. Yeah. Um, what is your favourite team to to support? I know you like a lot of sports, but what's your favourite team? Uh, so in Scotland, Aberdeen, and then Manchester United is my Premier League team. There we go, everybody. You know Gemma's teams now? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then your final one, favourite person you've ever played golf with to date? Tom Watson. Nice. Yeah, I was lucky enough to play a pro-am with him um, and he was just such a gent. And uh, yeah, he obviously was still striping it as well, which was very impressive. Yeah, of course. I mean, be impressed anyway, but yeah, yeah that sounds excellent. Well, Gemma, thank you very much. Thank you. For joining us today on the LET Golf Podcast and you'll be able to see Gemma in action at the Solheim Cup. I think it's Cortesan in Spain next week. And that's it for this week. So please drop us a follow on LET Golf on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, and we'll see you soon for another episode. It's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.